This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Bring your Bibles. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you brought a Bible or you're using a device, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is our text that we've been using for this particular series of lessons. Uh, Pastor Brian has done a marvelous job of kind of kicking this thing off and talking about victory. And uh, so when we came back into the pulpit, we just wanted to continue on along those lines. Because how many of you want to have victory in your life? Huh? I mean, you know, uh, the NCAA tournament's going on right now. And, you know, they start out with all these teams and they're working down to the the Sweet 16, then the Elite Eight, and then it's going to be the Final Four. And then two of them are going to get a go at it. And, uh, you know, when they plan these events and uh, uh, they match everybody up for who it is that they're going to be playing, um, you'll never find a coach that's in the locker room or on the floor when they're practicing and things and saying, all right, everybody, let's, let's get charged up here because we really want to lose. <laughs> so we want to do everything that we can, you know, stra- strategically to make sure that we don't win this game. No, that's not what they're doing at all. Every one of them are out to win. Are you listening to me? How many of you watched uh, Penn State and the Texas, uh, Texas Tech game last night? None of you. Okay, well, this is a great analogy I'm using here. Hallelujah. How, who won? Texas Tech. I mean, they got, they got guys that are six foot nine that play like guards. I mean, unbelievable in terms of the talent of these young men. And then now, well, maybe I can hit on this note. How many of you are Creighton fans? (laughs) Few of you. I know Keith and Carl are, you know. They're playing tonight, so I don't know if it makes any difference to you, but. Wow. That didn't work out like I thought it would. But um, my point is simple. It is an inherent quality in every one of us to win, to want to win. Now, we have a culture today that, you know, tells us, no, 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 you're never going to own anything and, you know, and you're going to be happy and, you know, what a bunch of junk. I said, what a bunch of junk. And I can tell you this much about it. You know, when it comes to this game, there's only one trophy for the winning team. We're not giving trophies to everybody else because of equality or whatever it is that people are talking about. Are you with me? One team gets to win. You know, when Paul was writing, you say, well, I don't know if that's scriptural or not. Here's something Paul said. He said, when, when, I, when I run, I run to win. He said, when I'm fighting, I'm not just beating the air. So when it comes to your life as a child of God and his plan, his purpose, and his will for you as a child of God, He wants you to win. Now, the weapons of our warfare, they're not, you know, carnal, but they are mighty through God. To pull down the strongholds, huh? To cast down every imagination or reasoning that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So when it comes to winning within the kingdom, it's doing life His way. It's renewing our mind and thinking as he thinks. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways. He said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways than yours. So we just kind of need to get that clear. Now, you know, as a human being, you know, if you want to live carnally and follow your own plan and purpose, you'll probably say, well, you know, that's good, God, but I'm going to do it my way. And that's your prerogative. He has made you a free moral agent. You can do whatever it is that you want. But on the other hand, praise God, you can choose to place yourself under his authority and lordship and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And I tell you what, there is where we have victory. Can you say amen? Notice this verse of scripture with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 37. Now thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, because of that, be ye steadfast, faithful, unmovable, always abounding. Everybody say always abounding. 
Yeah, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, there is a work that is yet to be done. The Bible says that God is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. You know, people, you know, that really embrace escape theology because they don't want to go through any hardship or difficulty. You know, if you just get busy and help reap the harvest, we could go home. You're the problem. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, you know, that, that there's a job to be done. Are you with me? When my dad set me on an old M tractor with a three-bottom plow behind it, he said, boy, go. And so, way we do, plowing this field. And then he'd come out, you know, probably six, seven hours later with two five-gallon cans of gas. And the tractor didn't leave the field, and neither did I, unfortunately. We just put 10 more gallons of fuel on the thing, and he'd say, go. You know, so we have to stay until the job is finished. And that's where the church comes in. Thank God for the church. She is the light of the world. She is the salt of the earth. The message that she has, that which God has, been, has placed within your hearts, is something that the entire world needs. Now, the world, they have their gospel, but it's not really good news or a gospel, it's bad news. And so we need to let our light shine so that people can see the truth of that gospel. Are you with me? It takes boldness, it takes courage, hallelujah. But he's with us, he's for us, and he's in us. So thank God he'll put us over. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So he said to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is never in vain in him. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Can you say amen? amen. So, you know, <clears throat> the central thought that we've been trying to convey with these messages is simply to declare that God the Father sent his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to redeem humanity from the penalties and the slavery of sin. How many of you are glad for that this morning? The Bible says, sin shall not have dominion over you. What does that mean? That means that Christ made it possible for you to have victory so it would not dominate your life to kill, steal, and to destroy, but rather that you could have life and have it more abundantly through him. Now, you got to understand, when we talk about victory in the context of our heavenly father, victory is not in something. Victory is in someone. And his name is Jesus. And it's through the Lord Jesus Christ that he gives us the victory. The victory in our homes. The victory in our finances. The victory in our lives. In everything that we do, Christ is the one who empowers us to be able to live in a way that is not only honorable to him, but you get blessed out of the deal. It gives meaning to your life. It causes you to be fulfilled as a human being. Why? Because you're doing life God's way. He is the author of life. He knows how to do life. And he wants your lives to be blessed. Amen. And many of you are. Hallelujah. And thank God for that. But there's more. I said there's so much more. Hallelujah. And we can take this life that he's given to us and we can share it with the world that is around us. We can tell them the good news. We can, we can let them know what it is that God has done for us. Now, they can fuss and fight and kick and bite and do whatever it is they want to do, but truth is truth wherever you find it. Are you with me? So it becomes imperative that we represent his kingdom in the appropriate kind of way. And part of that is just having victory in your life. Where love is the dominating characteristic of your life. God is love. And the Bible tells us to be an imitator or follower of him. And so thank God the Bible also says that his love has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. How many of you are glad for that? Amen. But now here's the deal. You're the one that has to allow that to dominate your life in relationships, Uh, with other people, relationships in your home, in your relationship with God. Uh, I'm I'm taking a little bit of a side journey here, but uh, I guess it's going to be worth it. Well, I know it will be, but here we go. 
Turn over to uh, uh, Proverbs chapter um, three. Does anybody have a uh, English Standard Version of the Bible? Uh, someone? Huh? You got one? Jen, can I borrow your Bible? Just for a second, I promise to give it back. I won't steal it. Did you find the scripture yet? What have you been doing? Oh, you're drinking your coffee. Whatever. Okay, yeah, right. I understand. You with me here? Proverbs chapter uh, 3. This is again from the New, or the English Standard Version. Listen to what, um, I wish that we had time to unpack a whole bunch of this stuff, but in verse 1 it says, My son or daughter, do not forget my teachings. But now listen to this. Did you, you ready for this? But let your heart keep my commandments. Does your Bible say that? Does it say let your heart? But let your heart. Listen to that for a moment with me. Let your heart keep my commandments. See, there is within each and every one of us, because of his indwelling presence, a guide as to how we're to live. So he's just saying, listen, if you're smart, listen to your heart and let it keep my commandments. You say, well, where do we, where do we make the mistake? We don't listen to our hearts. We listen to our flesh. We listen to the carnal side of our lives. We listen to human reasoning. We listen to all these other things and maybe what we want. You know, your flesh is a, it, it's a worthy adversary, <laughs> you know, because if you listen to your flesh and you follow it, it'll destroy you. But thank God you don't have to let that happen. Can you say amen? amen. Because you, the real you, the one that's been born of the Spirit of God, has the dominant place within your being if you'll just learn. People say, well, my God, I just can't figure out how come I, you know, keep making all these mistakes and doing this and that and the other. And, the, you know, and I, I never seem to be getting ahead. I don't, you know, nothing planes out. I don't get going. Where, you're listening to the wrong voice. And you're letting your flesh dominate you. Am I in the right house? You still glad you came? Because I can't tell by the look on your face. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it's tight, but it's right. So you have, to, you have to say no to your flesh. You, just, you know, you got to put yourself in a place and saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. You know, that's what Joshua told the whole nation of Israel after they went in and, and, and possessed the land and occupied every place. He said, you know what God has done for us. Not one word of his promise has failed. All of it has come to pass. And so now here you are in the blessing of God. So many of you, your lives are so blessed beyond what you could even imagine from where you came from. I mean, what God has done in your life is amazing, supernatural, miraculous, and all of the other descriptive words that we can come up with. I'm confident that if it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't be here. Not everyone, but most of the people that I hung out with as a kid growing up, they're gone. I said they're gone. One of my best friends, 47 years old, dead, drug overdose, laying in somebody's bathroom. I got another friend of mine, you know, 60 years old, dead, gone. And I could go down through a list, you guys, whew, um, oh, the grace of God. If I, if I weren't dead, I'd probably be in prison. <laughs> you know, not good. You say, well, why didn't you live different? Because when people grow up in their lives, they don't know the truth. You know, you, you, you do what you know. People grow up in environments, you know, their lives are a mess, a wreck. Their homes, many of them fatherless, they got all kinds. It's kind of like it becomes survival. Are you with me? That's why they need Christ. That's why they need Jesus. And that's why you and I do not need to look down our nose 
at them because they're so messed up. That's what love does. Love has compassion. Are you with me? So, and it's so easy, you know, doggone it. It's so easy for us as believers, you know, after five, ten years of being in the Lord, two years, three years, I mean, whatever it is, 40 years, you know, to judge. Well, what's wrong with them? How come they're this? How come they're that? That's not the point. The point is, is that they need to know him. Are you listening to? Or be reintroduced back into fellowship with him. Yeah, you got all kinds of Christians, you know, they're backslid and living like the world and just doing whatever it is they do. And that's not life. But thank God he came to give us life. Can you say amen? And so we can make that happen. So it is the will of God for every child of God or believer to walk in victory. But you know, if you can't pay your bills, that's not victory. You know, if you're, you know, sickness and disease has you bound, it's not victory. If you're filled with fear and anxiety and discouragement, you know, most, most of the time, much of the time, that's not victory. God wants you to live in peace. Are you with me? Now, I'm not saying we don't have battles and we don't have to deal with stuff, but you, you get it. Are you with me? Substance abuse or alcohol controls your life. That's not victory. And there are people all over, I mean, um, their lives are a mess because of this stuff. They take all these drugs, they do all this, they go drown their, their sorrows in, in alcohol. They, they do it to escape. And then it gets a hold of them and they're, they're in trouble. My dad, you know, he's 59 years old, died of cirrhosis of the liver. Why? Because alcohol got a hold of him. It destroyed his life. And not only that, but it affected our lives. I grew up in a shack. You know, I don't live in no shack anymore. You know, and then even at that, you know, people will, well, my God, look at that house. You know, I don't apologize. I said, I don't apologize. It's because of him and him alone. Are you listening to me? And if you have small-minded people that want to criticize and talk to you about what it is, well, you know, look what they got, look what, you don't have a clue. And I didn't even know how come me to get off on this. Matter of fact, my house has become small now compared to most. You know? I like my house. Huh? So leave me alone. If you don't like it when you drive by, look the other way. <laughs> God doesn't care what the size your home is. People do, but he doesn't. As long as you have the home and it doesn't have you. That's right. Amen. That's the difference. And you're willing to share it with others. Wow. How do we get off on that? Well, here's another thought. If you live in strife and contention and frustration in your life, that's not victory. I mean, I really genuinely Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. Today, if, if that's what's been going on in your life, in, in a moment, that can all change. Now, the, the manifestations of all of that may not immediately disappear, but the choice you make in your heart today brings about a change for you in the future. And it can happen. You know, you, you have to learn to drive a stake down in the ground and say, this is my territory and Jesus is Lord. So this is, is how we're going to live. Are you with me? Again, I appeal to you about the circumstance with Joshua and, you know, when God spoke to him and he had to fill the shoes of Moses, he said, Moses, my servant is dead. That whole thing is over with. Now I'm going to talk to you. A lot of times we want to live in our past. Oh, if this, oh, if that, you know, all of that. No, today is the day of salvation. Right now is the accepted time. What are you going to do now? People long for whatever it is that went on in the past. And, and I can appreciate the past. Thank God for history. But we're living right here, right now. Huh? And God wants you to...
to flourish. Everybody say flourish. He wants you to flourish right where you are. You say, well, I wish I could believe that. You can. You can. It's a decision. You've got to stop looking at what it is that's, it looks like around you and the things that are surrounding you, and you have to start looking at what he promised. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Okay. It looks like you've taken a hard fall. I'm okay. Now it wants me to provide some details. I fell, but I'm okay. I did not fall. You never know what's going to happen. Interruptions. One more thing, if you're harboring ill will and unforgiveness in your heart, that's not victory. Uh, so, so how do I get victory? Well, first of all, I got to believe that God wants to give it to me. Huh? And sometimes that can be, it can, it can be a challenge because people well-meaning will come along and say, well, no, that's not really what the Bible meant. You know, after all, we're going to have to this and that and the other. And they, and they take you down some other path. And, and you, have to, you, you have to silence all of that. And you have to come back to the simple fact that God wants your life to be blessed. But it's in the context of how he wants you to do it. You talk about blessing. Think about Abraham with me for a moment. Abraham was 75 years old and God came and he visited him. He had an encounter with him. And he said, if you'll get out from amongst your own people and, uh, you know, and follow me and do what it is I want you to do, I'll make you a great and mighty nation. Nations will come from you and, and, and everything that you do will be blessed. The Bible says the next day that guy got up and hit the road. He believed God. Now, it wasn't for 25 years. Let me say 25 years. It took 25 years, but he got there. And, and he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. Things went on. But when he was 90 years old and nine and Sarah was right behind him, they had a child named Isaac. And the promise was fulfilled. Are you with me? Now, as this thing went along, you know, the story about how that he and uh, his uh, nephew... Uh, Lot, they took off, you know, and they ended up down in the valley, you know, there with Sodom and Gomorrah, and they had so many people, you know, within their, uh, basically a tent city, that the, the servants were fighting over the territory because they couldn't feed all the, all the uh, animals. Now, dude, that's prosperity. So, Abraham said, listen, there's no reason for us to be doing this. You go that way, I'll go this way. You want to go that way, I'll come this way. In other words, he gave his nephew the choice. And he looked down through the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, the devil shows up where good things are. Yes. Are you with me? And he chose that area. And Abraham said, fine and dandy, that's great. I'll go this way. Well, as it turned out, there, were a, a, there was an alliance of kings that got together and went down into Sodom and Gomorrah and basically pillaged the place. And they took Lot and his family. And the word got back to Abraham, and uh, he found out that, that they had been basically taken. Now, he didn't sit there and say, well, you know, the kid was stupid. He shouldn't have went down there in the first place. You know, so let him suffer and this and that and the other. No, he didn't do that. He said, he's blood, and we're going after him. And the Bible says that he had 318 men of war. Now, that's not to say whatever else that he had, but, you know, in each and every one of those families, if they had a, if they had a wife and kid, that's a thousand people, you know, that, that Abraham was essentially caring for. Sometimes we're so small-minded about what God wants to do in our lives. So what's he do? He takes these 318 guys, splits them up into thirds, and they go out and they, and pardon me, but they go kick butt and take names. And they got lot back. Are you with me? Sometimes the devil wants to take stuff from you and you lay down instead of saying, oh, no, you don't. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, leave. 
Are you with me? But my point to that really wasn't that part of it as much as it was, you know, when you think about that, I mean, he, he, again, he probably had, well, essentially he had his own military. Huh? And it, and, and it represented probably, a, a, I'm, I'm guessing, a thousand souls, a thousand people. And that's not to mention everybody else that took care of everything else that he did. So, man, they were like their own community or city that was just moving around doing what it is that they did and all along everything was intended that they would continue to prosper and grow when god well actually it was abraham that sent one of his servants to go find rebecca you know for isaac because he didn't want isaac marrying out of the wrong pot and this would do some of you parents well to talk to your kids about making sure that they, they're not fooling around and messing with and letting their soul get tied to an unbeliever. The Bible says that we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You can excuse it and make all the kinds of, you know, whatever it is that you want, but I'm telling you that if you want life and life more abundant, you need to obey God. And he said, it doesn't mean you don't love them, but you, you can't. Light and darkness don't mix. Well, I'll change them. Yeah, right. Good luck. Maybe they'll change you. Are you with me? They say, yeah, but you know, when you do that, then the, the picking gets kind of lean. That's okay. You don't care. Are you with me? My daughter was in a number of different relationships. But two times she said, no. No. And it broke her heart. You know, the thing is, it's not easy to have to walk away from someone because they're, you know, <clears throat> well, they, you know, I, I shouldn't say that. Well, let me, how, how do I say this? Maybe they're Christians, but they're nominal. And Jesus is not Lord. Are you with me? So she said no. And now she's got Boaz. Are you with me? And there's um, heartache, crying, pain, um, uh, tearful nights, all kinds of stuff that goes along with that. But listen, parents, stay next to your kids, love your kids, support your kids, tell them it's going to be okay, and God's going to get them the right person. Are you listening to me? And they'll be blessed. I said they'll be blessed. You know, in 40-some years of uh, ministry, uh, we've married a lot of people. And I know I've gone through this, you know, a time or two where I've said, don't marry them. You know, that always goes over really big. <laughs> when you're the guy on the other side of the table and you're talking to them and you're seeing what's going on here and you're saying, you don't want him, you don't want her, Oh, but I love them. You don't even know what love is. You know what I'm saying? And I can remember on a couple of different occasions, you know, I just said, don't do this. And uh, I remember the parents of the bride, dude, they were livid that I would say that. Because they had all the invitations out, you know, and they had all this to go on, you know, they spent all this money and, you know, we can't, whatever, whatever. Why not? Well, what are people going to think? What difference does it make what people think? If it's not right, why are you doing it? Yeah. Well, they went ahead and uh, wasn't too long. I don't know, maybe a few years or so. And um, it fell apart with me. I had another occasion I'm thinking about, you know, and these people weren't really in the church. She was not necessarily. But somehow or another, Joan and I had had. Uh, formed a relationship with her. And, and she's walking through this thing, young gal, you know, nice gal. And uh, man, this is really going a different direction. Praise the Lord. Well, anyway, um, she, uh, uh, she's struggling, you know, and, I, and she knew in her heart that this was not a good decision. And we, we did everything that we could to try to help her, you know, back up, take a breath, and, and rethink it, but she didn't. And same thing, I don't, I don't know how many years it was, you know, 
And the whole thing, you know, came unraveled. Stuff happens. But you know, we can avoid a lot of those things, you know, if, if we're more careful about our picking and choosing. You know? Hallelujah. Y'all still glad you came? You say, yeah, but I've already made that mistake. Well, just don't make it again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know? Just don't do it again. Learn. Say, well, you know, we're not, we're not going to do that again. You with me? I was trying to think of another. I've got another story that I want to tell you about. Um, um, I can't, um, can't think of it. Maybe it'll come to me a little later. But um, <clears throat> you know, sometimes we have a hard time defining what love is. And, and so we concede. You know, Remember this, everyone. Love is telling the truth. Are you with me? Now, you know, my wife and I, we've been married now for 46 years. And um, there's times when she, the Bible says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. So when you've got to tell somebody something that's difficult, it needs to be with kindness. Do you understand? So that they know, I'm not, I'm not just trying to rag on you here. I, I'm telling you because I love you. Okay? Now, this might seem like a little simple kind of thing. But, you know, I work really hard to get some of my shirts and my clothing to where they're really comfortable and I like them a lot. And I've had them for years. And she'll say, you, you're not, you, you, you didn't plan on going out of the house looking like that, <laughs> did you? And I was. <laughs> Why? Because I like my shirt, baby. I'm comfortable. You, you understand that, Tom? I had one shirt that I'd ripped a hole in it back here, and she said, throw that away. I said, I ain't throwing that away. So when it went into, I said, don't you dare throw that away. You know, now you're getting into our lives and you know how we live. And so, I, you know, when I threw it in the hamper, I thought you're at risk, but I'm, I'm fighting for you, you know. <laughs> and so what does she do? She takes this shirt that's got this tear in it and she cuts a heart <laughs> where the hole is. So when I put it on, you know, that type of thing. Oh, yeah, I didn't even know she'd done it. So I'm running around with this heart on the back of my, you know, shirt. And that's what I'm married to. She loves to do stuff like that. And then she just stands back and snickers. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, um, that's just one little thing. Why does she do that? Because she cares about me. She loves me. She said, you're better than that. You, you can afford better. You, you, you're not going out there and looking like that. I mean, dude, if I had my way about it, I'd have long hair and a ponytail and just grub it out and just live happily ever after. But that's not what we're doing here. Are you listening to me? I met a guy this week, you know, um, wonderful guy. I mean, uh, his name is Jack Harris, and he's a missionary to India and Indonesia, and he builds churches and puts a well in front of the church because in those countries, you can't proselyte people from the Hindu religion, but you can plant a well in the front yard of your church, and they'll come and get the water, and while they're standing in line to get the water, you can talk to them, build a relationship with them, and eventually they'll ask you about Jesus, and then they end up in the church. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You know, and um, why was I talking about him? You know, he's got long hair. He's a gray guy like me, about my age. He's got this big old thing, you know, going on, pulls it back and puts it in a, you know, one of them, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> and uh, just cool as all get out. And he's a motorcycle guy. I mean, we hit it just like, I said, Jack, I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have known you so much 
earlier. You know, we have, as a matter of fact, he's part of a, a club called the Christian Crusaders. And uh, he's, he, I, he has uh, been in a world that most of us know nothing about. Um, and um, so he's a clubber, but he, uh, he actually, he said it took seven years, but he led the Hell's Angels, the head of the Hell's Angels in Brazil to the Lord. You know, and this guy was bad. I mean, bad, bad, bad. You know, they have patches, you and I, we don't know anything about all of this, but they got patches about what they've done. And uh, he, he was a bad guy. And uh, so when he got saved, he says, does that mean I can't kill anybody anymore? You know? <laughs> yeah, that'd probably be better if you didn't do that. And um, so, what was I talking about? Long hair and uh, living that way. But here's the thing. If you love someone, you tell them the truth. Huh? So in relationships as husbands and wives, sometimes you have to talk with one another from the right spirit because you want to help them. Are you listening to me? I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about being critical or anything like that, but, but uh, that's the way you win, you know? How many of you want to win? Didn't, didn't a bunch of you raise your hand earlier? You want to win? So, and, and here's another thought here. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you guys are doing life together if you're a husband and a wife. You're on the same team. Now, you, know, you got to know that hell's modus operandi is to divide and conquer. Drive a wedge in and watch the whole thing fall apart. So you got to be smarter. Paul said we are not ignorant of his devices. So in those moments when you're frustrated, in those moments when, you know, you have a real desire to get into a bunch of strife and stuff like that, it's in those moments that you have to realize uh, no. You pull back on the reins, you stop, and you say, I am not going to stick my foot in that trap because that's what it is. Are you with me? A lot of times the devil will say, well, if they would just straighten up, if they would do this, they would do that. You've got to understand that he is a liar. And one of the things that he wants to do is make you think that it's their fault. Now, it might be. There may be some truth. He, he's good at that. He'll feed you a little bit. But perhaps it's not all true. But he doesn't care. All he wants you to do is bite. So even in that context, you have to recognize, you know, the Bible says to avoid all appearance of evil. And God wants us to grow up into him in all things. He wants us to be smart so that we don't have hell on earth. And you say, yeah, but they won't change. That's not your problem. How are you going to live? What are you going to do? When he said, my son, let your heart keep my commandments. That's, that's your house. That's your wheelhouse. That's what you do. You say, yeah, but I, you know, living with them is not good. Well, pray for them. I've been praying. It doesn't change anything. Pray for them. You know, you gotta, you gotta stay in the boat, dude. Am I in the right house? Now, some of you say, well, I'm not even married. What are you telling me about this? I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking to all the rest of them. You might get into a relationship. Maybe I could, you know, maybe you get to dinking around, you know, and you, you know, you're, you got your, you got your hook in the water. And uh, I just told you, don't be unequally yoked. Man, if they're not a believer, you don't want them. Oh, I'm thinking about another situation. Older gal. Been married twice, I think. And here comes this guy. And she starts, you know, messing around with him. I'm talking about somebody maybe 50-some years old or better. You say, who is it? You don't need to know. <laughs> you know? But here they are, you know, and, and he is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I knew it. 
You know, you can tell. I mean, you know, you get around somebody and all of a sudden you're going, bing, 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 bing. There's stuff going off on the inside of you going, this guy is not good. Well, when you're desperate, everybody say desperate. And you're lonely, everybody say lonely. And you're looking, everybody say looking. A lot of times that can be really blinding. So she marries him. And I'm telling you, you talk about Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. This guy changed in a period of about 12 hours. And all of a sudden, she's now his slave and going to do this and that and the other. Well, guess what? That didn't last very long. I have no idea why I'm talking about this stuff. I guess maybe to help avoid problems. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. How am I doing? All right. She likes it. That's good. Amen. <clears throat> we're talking about the winner's way. And we're talking about pr some pretty practical applications about what not to do. Huh? Amen. People want to blame God. Well, you know, my life is this and it's not that, you know, and I got all this and that and the other. And it's, it, listen, you guys, it's not God. The problem's not with him. The problem's with us. And that's really hard to admit sometimes. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, we've been in situations, you know, in our relationship with one another, and she's right and I'm wrong, and I don't want to believe that. Now, I know that you're probably finding that hard to believe. <laughs> you know? But sooner or later, you've got to come back and say, you know what, you're right. Some of the greatest, one of the... Two of the greatest words that you will ever have within your vocabulary is I'm sorry. Let's everybody, let's practice that. One, two, three. I'm sorry. Say it one more time. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you know, those two words can change everything. Maybe you need to, if you're, if you're married, this will be great. If you're married, turn and look at your, your spouse and say, I'm sorry. Just go ahead and do it. <laughs> Some of you really were reluctant on that. <clears throat> you know, it's just people say, well, what do I got to be? I'm not sorry for. I don't, what do I got to be sorry for? Doesn't matter. Just say you're sorry. I'm sure you've done something. Hallelujah. <laughs> Are you with me? It'll do you well. All right, let's move on. The whole thing that we're talking about is the need for us to walk in love, and we can do that because His love's in us. Right. Romans chapter 5 and 5 says that the love of God's been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Now listen to this. Paul told the church at Corinth that love never fails. Never fails. Love will never fail. Paul told the church in Galatia, for in Christ, neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything but faith that works by, what's the last word? Love. Your faith won't work if you're not walking in love. You know, in the, in, when Peter was writing, he said, you husbands dwell with your wives according to knowledge. In other words, the knowledge of God's word. Why? So that your prayers won't be hindered. You know, if you're not treating your wife the way that you need to, this I'm, I can't decide whether this is a marriage thing or if I'm really talking about love. But anyway, you know, you, you, you're not, your prayers aren't going to be, hint, they're, they're not going to be answered if you're, you're speaking disparagingly or behaving, you know, um, um, wrongfully with your spouse. And you know it. Thanks for your enthusiasm. You know it, man. But I'm telling you, you know, here's the thing. We all want to have victory. But again, you got to do it his way. Are you with me? So you need to start treating him, and you need to start treating her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, and that the, the wives that they respect, you know, or they... Uh, Revere is not the right word, and I don't want to use the word submit because then everybody gets jacked up in the culture that we're living in. Honor or respect, these are things that, you know, if you want to live like the world in their culture and do what they do and do their dirt, then you can have their kind of life. 
Or you can listen to what the Bible says in relationship to husband and wife and the responsibilities that each of them have, and you can flow in that and live in that and enjoy the blessing of that and have a heart that is, you know, filled with the love of God and enjoy life like no other choice. Are you with me? Don't listen to the world. Don't take your lead from them. They don't know what in the world they're talking about, dude. They, they don't have a clue. So <clears throat> he told the church in Galatia that faith works by love. He told the church at Ephesus. He said, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. In other words, carry your life or conduct in a way that is loving as Christ loved us and gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he gave us one commandment. And what was that? To love one another as he loved us. Okay. So we just got one thing here. We got just one thing. Like Jack Palance said in City Slickers, one thing, just one thing, and that's to walk in love. Hallelujah. So he said, he said, if you'll do this, he said, if you love, people say, well, I love God. If you're not doing the Bible, you don't love him. Huh? Do you love Jesus? Oh, yes, I love Jesus. Are you doing his word? <sighs> not so much. And you don't love him. But we love him, don't we? And he said, if you'll do this, I'll, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another comforter, another comforter like me, one of the same sort, that he might abide with you forever. Hallelujah. Amen. And Jesus kept his word, didn't he? He sent the Holy Ghost and he gave us his life and he dwells within us, and he's the one that empowers us to be able to, you know, love as we are supposed to love. Now, if you're an unregenerate sinner, uh, you have no capacity for what I'm talking about. Neither does it really make any sense to you. But when you give your heart to Christ, man, and the light bulb comes on, everything changes. How many of you can attest to that? Huh? Okay, where are we at? We're coming right up on the hour here. I'll just tell you this. The love way is the winner's way. And again, how many of you want to win? So this is the way it's going to happen. So when we get done, if you need to get in the car and say, baby, listen, I need to talk to you. And I just want to tell you how much I am so sorry. You know, repentance is a, it's a healthy thing. Huh? When's the last time you told your spouse you love them? Not a, who said that? Andy? Wow. You tell him. Yeah? Wow. You're something else. Hallelujah. No, I'm just giving you a hard time, Andy. Hallelujah. No, you ought to tell him you love him. Some of you, you don't want to tell me when the last time is you told him you love him. But you should. I, I try to tell my wife every day that I love her. Sometimes more than that. Why? Because I do. I'm not just saying, okay, uh, let's see, it's, uh, I got my, I, I set my timer, it's 10 o'clock. Baby, I love you. And then we go on. It's not that. Are you with me? You know, mechanical doesn't work. Now, you might have to start there, I don't know, you know, whatever it is you got going on, but baby, get it out there. This is really a mess of a message. Hallelujah, I am everywhere. <laughs> Trying, but you know, praise God. Y'all still glad you came? Yes. Amen. Let me read, uh, you know, um, let me read the Bible. I know I can't go wrong there. So, so here in 1 Corinthians, here's a definition for you. Uh, we didn't go into a lot of detail that way, but Love endures long and is patient and kind, forbearing. Love never is envious or boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It doesn't display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It's not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, doesn't insist on its own rights or its own way. Why? Because it's not self-seeking. Huh? It's not touchy, fretful, resentful. 
It takes no account to the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices in right and truth. Hallelujah. It bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best in every person. And its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades out um, or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Aren't you glad love never fails? You know, I told you about all those failings that I had. Remember that? You know, I mean, in marriage kinds of circumstances. But we've had a lot of successes here. Are you listening to me? Al Lisa Hadfield. It's the first marriage I ever did. I was shaken in my boots. We were in some furnace room. They stuffed us in this furnace room, the pastor. And we're back there waiting for this service to start. And it's like, I think part of the problem, we kind of played off each other. We're both nervous. And nervous and nervous just makes really nervous. (laughs) I mean, we're sweating bullets. But how long you guys been married now? 43 years. Glory to God. I tell you, you ought to give the Lord a great big hand clap for that. Amen. And I told you about Reed and Jenny and you know, they've made it, made it. (laughs) They've had 37 years of wedded bliss, right? Reed, glory to God. You know, amen. It's great. And uh, uh, let's see, who else did I marry a long time ago? Um, I didn't marry Larry and Norma. They're older than me. Yeah, let's see. I got to think about this a little bit. Keith, how long you guys been married? 26. 26. That's great. Glory to God. So we have had some successes. If I go through my files, some people have said, well, how many times, how many people have you married? Well, I didn't know. Well, quite a while back, I just finally went through the thing and it was over 100. And I got a serious success rate. You know, I mean, like 90, I'd say 95%, maybe even more. Amen. And people will get mad, you know, because, uh, you know, we won't marry them. Well, if you're not living right, I'm not going to marry you. (laughs) You know, and this usually happens. So so all of you parents and grandparents, gosh, I don't know how come I got off on this. All of you, when we say that we don't want to marry your kids or your grandchildren, it isn't that we don't love you. It isn't that we don't care about you. But if, they're, but if they're not living right, why do we want to get involved with that? So please, 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 don't take offense. Are you with me? But you know, when people don't live right or they're unequally yoked or whatever, I'm, I'm not, I, I stand in a place where I'm endorsing what's going on. Are you with me? And, and sometimes I can't do that. So don't get mad at us. I said, don't, please don't. There are times when we've, you know, uh, been in situations where we've been, and we have regret. When I go to a wedding, I want it to glorify God. I don't want it to be a drunken brawl. I don't want beer cans in our nursery. That won't ever happen again. I can tell you that for sure. Where the wedding party's back there getting ready and drinking like a bunch of fish. I'm not, I'm not, we're not doing that. So, so if that's your circumstance and we say no, you'll know why. It isn't that we don't love you. It isn't that we don't love them. It's just that we're not on the same page. Does that make sense to you? You know? People, they'll fight small wars, they'll get mad, they'll, you know, speak all kind of disparagingly and whatever, but, but they, don't, they don't understand the why, and they don't understand the heart. Wow. Talking about walking in love, are you with me? And really, in, in one way, you know, that's, it's really a loving way. Um, I got to close. Because I'll be all over the place for the next two hours if you let me. (laughs) The thing that drives this discipline, as I mentioned to you last week, is because he first loved us. You can love because he loved you. Huh? Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave himself. 
So that's, that's the thing that can drive your, if you want to call it discipline, to love your spouse, your kids, or whatever. It's because he loved you. We, we want to get our gratification from the person. And sometimes at first that doesn't happen. Are you with me? So what do you do? You do it, listen, as unto who? The Lord. You love them. Because that's what can melt their heart. That's what can cause them to turn the corner. I've shared this story before, but Joan and I, um, when Phil and Jan got married, she had a real close friend that was a quadriplegic and her grandmother was taking care of her and we had to, um, we, we not had to, but we offered to stop and pick them up and drive them so that they could be a part of the wedding. And they had all kinds of problems. This van that they had to carry her was in disrepair. And uh, one of the brakes went out and we actually ended up going to a junkyard on a Saturday and getting a drum. And I think the brakes themselves put the whole thing back together and we paid the bill and did it for them. Dude, they didn't have nothing. You know, you can be such a blessing to someone that doesn't have. And I'm not talking about enabling people. You know, people are lazy. They don't want to work. Let them suffer. You say, well, that's, very, that's not very Christian. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe they just need to be made to know, dude, go to work. Well, anyway, back to the story. And so we fixed that and everything. And then uh, there were a number of other things. And this grandmother, in the course of this, she, it's the greatest compliment that my wife and I have ever had in our lives. And she made this statement. She said, you guys are so full of love. Well, then we, we, we did it right, didn't we? You know, and I tell you, there's people around you, you guys, that they need your love. Their lives are jacked. And they live in a world of hate and, and pain and all kinds of things. And so I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what act of kindness or whatever it is. But ask the Lord. Say, God, make me a blessing today. And then, and then look for the opportunities that you maybe can speak into someone's life. Maybe you can, you know, give them something, you know, that they have need of. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, if they're in a, a jam or something like that, you just say, hey, I'll help you. I'll help you. You know, what, what, what can I do for you? You know, oh, no, you don't have, no, I want to, I want to help me. And so you lay your life down and you go help them. You go do whatever it is. I mean, if it's within your means speaks volumes you guys why because most of the world they don't care about anyone but themselves and they're not going to take any time to help anybody they'll do it if it advances them or it's to their advantage or something like that but when you for no reason at all other than you simply care about somebody and say hey let me let me help you with that you know or does that make sense to you because I tell you what, man, that's, that's where the power is. Why don't you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful that we are within the household that you have built. We're your children, Father. And today we've talked about a lot of different things, Father, but I think that the heart and the spirit of it is, is well understood. And God, it's my prayer that in these weeks, these days, these weeks, these months ahead, that God will really work toward being God-conscious and not self-conscious. And that Lord will look to you and will ask you how that we can live our lives in a manner that is not only pleasing to you, but that it blesses others. And God, let, let love let it be the enduring characteristic of our lives. That we put down all judgment, we put down all criticism, we put down cynicism, we lay them aside and say, no more of this, praise God. We're going to look at life the way God looks at life. And God, I thank you for empowering the people that are here within the sound of my voice those that are watching online of this service today, that 
Father, we're, we're, we're literally making a decision to drive a stake in the ground where our lives are concerned and where love is concerned and that that's what we're going to do. We're not going to have a conversation about who's doing this or that wrong. We're not going to get within the company of people that want to speak disparagingly of others. We're not going to let corrupt communication come out of our mouth, but rather that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. That's what we're going to do, Lord. And God, I just thank you that in that will come great strength and power and blessing to our homes, our households, our children's lives, and the relationships that we have around us. That God, we can really be the people that you've called us to be and that we can live our lives as you would have them to be lived. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around. I don't, I don't know about, um, you know, how I would frame this call, but you know, just while you're there seated, as you've heard the things that I've talked about, um, please know I, I, I'm not fishing for anything, but at the same time, Sometimes, you know, when, when, when conviction comes on our hearts, we need to make the decision now to do something about it. So in what I've said, if there's something that, that God has said, see that right there, that needs to be fixed, it needs to be corrected. If that happens to be you, and again, while every head's bowed, eyes closed, and you're not really lifting your hand to me, you're actually lifting it to Him and saying, Lord, right here, right now, I'm making a decision to do differently in this particular area of my life. Can I see your hand wherever you may be? Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, God bless you. Yes. Who else? Yeah. You can put your hand back down once you've raised it. And, and this is not an indictment. It, it, it shows incredible courage and strength. And I'm telling you what, God is going to meet you right where you sit. Hallelujah. And he's going to help you. Is there anyone else before we pray together? You can put your hand down once you've raised it. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anyone at all? Church, together, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Those of you that are watching online, if this has an application, pray the prayer out loud. Loud enough for you to hear yourself pray it and let your heart agree with it. Say this with me, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I know that you want me to live in victory. Father, I ask you to forgive me of my wrongdoing and my sin and help me, Father, to be the person you want me to be. Thank you, Lord, for your incredible grace in my life, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can all look up here at me. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? I'm telling you, you guys, we have no idea what it is that we have to look forward to. But I tell you what, we can have a little slice of heaven right here on earth by doing what it is that he wants us to do. So I encourage you, praise God. Why don't you declare a love war? with the people that are in your life and try to outdo each other. Hallelujah. You know, just like, I mean, it's a simple thing. You know, you say, well, that don't mean nothing. Well, it, okay. Think what you want. But, you know, I was downstairs preparing for today because I was gone all week last week and came up about 4.35 o'clock. And, and I, I told Joan, I said, uh, you want to go get something to eat? You want to go get some Chinese? You want to go get some Mexican? You want whatever, whatever? And she says, well, yeah, that'd be a great idea. What do you want to do? I said, whatever you want to do. I'm easy, dude. I'll eat anything. Hallelujah. You know, for the most part. And so uh, <clears throat> so we took a little trip down to Glen Glenwood and ate at Adriano's. Any of you been there? Yeah. How many of you wish you'd been there? You guys have been there. Yeah. It's a great little brick oven, you know, pizza joint. And... Uh, 
I mean, man, dude, they can cook you a pizza in six minutes. It'll be on your table. So we went down there and ate, you know? Now, I really kind of had my heart set on Mexican, but I didn't tell her that. You know, I said, no, man, pizza be great, be good. You know, you guys, come on, defer to each other. Are you with me? It's not that big a deal, you won't die, you know? And I tell you what, life can be so much better. Now, you could get into a deal that we get into all the time where nobody will make a decision because they want to prefer the other person. That always goes over great, you know what I'm saying. But I tell you what, God loves you, we love you, we're grateful for every one of you, and we want the best for you. So let's believe God together for one another. Listen, the Bible says pray for one another that you may be healed. When you have your prayer time or your devotion, pray for the people within our church. They're your family. And many of them, you know, you don't know it. They come in here, they smell good, they smile, they shake your hand, drink a cup of coffee and whatever, but you don't know what's going on at home. So say, Lord, bless our church family. Bless the, the marriages in our family and help them with their, you know, decisions as they're raising their kids. We need, I mean, these parents need help. Amen? Wow, what a deal. Are you with me? And, and so we can pray for one another. What does that do? It makes us stronger. It makes us better. It helps one another. It allows the love of God in our church, in our church family, to be strong. We don't come in here and we don't talk about one another. We don't leave here and we don't talk about one another. Are you with me? Unless it's something good. Because that's the way God wants it, amen? If you need to, baby, zip your lip. Is, uh, do, our, do we have problems? Yep. You know, people are flawed. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. You with me? But yet, right on the other hand, praise God, the Bible says love doesn't insist on its own rights or its own ways. It's not self-seeking. And listen, it believes the best in every person. Most of the time when you hear something about somebody, 80% of it is probably not true. Maybe more. And I could keep on going, but we need to quit. Would you stand with me? We love you guys so much. Praise God. And we want the very best for you. So as you go out this week, go for it. Amen. You'll be blessed in everything that you set your hand to. And uh, we'll just know we're right behind you and we're pushing. Come on, baby, you can do it. You can make it right. You can do the right thing. You can make it happen because, praise God, that's just who we are. So greet those around you. You can be dismissed. We'll see you either on Wednesday night or Sunday morning. God bless you.